Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the High Wide and Handsome podcast featuring Danilo. Danilo has been on both platforms, Football Index and Footstock, for a long time. I talked with him on Football Index for just over 50 minutes, I think. And then we get on to some Footstock stuff for the remainder of the podcast. I'll let you know when that time comes in the podcast if you're a Football Index purist, so don't worry about that. But I do like when I've got someone as like, he's a, considered a wheel on Footstock. When you have someone like that, you need to talk to them about it, especially when there's so many questions. The other thing I suppose is the patrons this week have got another exclusive podcast with Steve Ward, author of Trader Mind, Sports Betting to Win and High Performance Trading. He got some really, really solid advice for traders across the board, so I hope you enjoy that, uh, the nine of you that are listening. Um, then what else is there? This, this I suppose we're five episodes off 52. Do you know, it's nearly a year. It's nearly been a year on the podcast and it's been it's been a great year and i just want to thank you all for the support but i suppose we'll have a bit of a party on the 52nd episode i hope you're all coping well with the covid19 thing i hope it's starting to ease up wherever you are um there's some restrictions have been lifted here very very in, in very small waves very small ways but it does make a difference and the last thing i just want to do is give a shout out to the sponsors of the show footstock footstock have uh, done absolutely amazing i'm sure you are you are sick of hearing about it it's done so well but I mean, you're talking user base going four or five hundred percent in the last three weeks, absolutely insa- insane. Like ten grand's worth of people entering tournaments and huge prizes up for grabs. My my collection over there. If you're looking for capital appreciation, it's risen by about forty percent in the last two weeks, fifty percent maybe. It's absolutely incredible. I I highly recommend it. Why not give it a go? If you use the link in the description, you get 50 free player cards. Uh, They're bonus ones, so they're they're eligible until the Premiership, 30 days after the Premiership returns. And you'll also get a tenner worth of tournament entry, so you can just give it a go. See for yourself. You don't like it, delete it. Do you know? Anyway, have a great week, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for listening. Now I am joined by Danilo, a long time, I don't know, a long time member of the Football Index community. How's things? Yes, hello everyone. Um, yeah, all is well, considering the, the circumstances, yeah. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It's, um, I mean, restrictions are starting to be lifted a bit all over the place. I know in Ireland we can go a bit further from our house now, and as of next week I think some jobs are allowed to happen, but um, even the Bundesliga is returning quite soon, so things yes, are moving. I mean- yeah, things are moving. England is a bit behind in the curve, so you'll expect whatever you see elsewhere to be, you know, a couple of weeks behind here. But uh, yeah, there is talk about uh, lifting some of the restrictions. So we'll know more about on uh, Sunday, Monday, apparently. Uh, but yeah, we should go back. We should go back to some sort of normality anytime soon, you know, which is good. Mm. It's uh, it's funny, like because normally being i suppose the demographic the people who listen to this podcast and me and you we obviously care very much about european football and i'm sure a lot of people who listen and me and you included would quite enjoy watching colin or cologne is that how you say them fc cologne versus paderborn you know we would watch any sort of european fixture and be entertained whereas maybe the wider sort of football fan base in the uk won't give a shit about Germany returning, but I'm buzzing. Like, I cannot wait for the... I think they return on the 16th of May. Um, yes. And I'm going to yes, sit so... there, have a few tins, do you know. I, I just can't wait to watch some <laughs> potentially shitty German football, but it's going to be amazing. 
Men och se mer, jag menar, never watched um, those kind of games. I mean, lesser games in uh, foreign leagues I never really cared about. But since I'm on the Index, you know, I tend to watch uh, a lot much, uh, I mean, a lot more football than um, than I used to. Uh, and yes, looking forward to the German leagues to, to restart. <laughs> I mean, no, football has been, uh, it's been healthy and it's been good uh, for Football Index, at least at the beginning. Uh, but now it's been dragging off a little bit too much. Yeah. Mm. It's one of those things. I don't know if it really works here, but you know, sometimes the hype is almost more valuable than when you actually get players on the pitch. It's been so long that we've had certain players on the pitch that maybe the hype surrounding them has has built and built and built, and now it's getting towards the stage in the German league anyway, where people need to perform to maintain their price or or kick on and and keep rising. Um, and a few players that have been rising a lot or I suppose had a lot of liquidity in the market over the past month or two when there's been no football are the likes of Serge Gnabry, um, Erling Braut Haaland, a few sort of big hitters who were playing really, really well before football stopped. I suppose it'll be interesting to see how the fitness levels in the league and how, how I don't know, how switched on and how match sharp the players are. Um, it'll be interesting to see like who who's sort of winning PB and who's playing well and what will there be any surprise upsets due to sort of lack of preparation yeah that's something to consider i mean at the end of the day the players have been locked up for uh, for a long time they haven't been training and you'll see who the professional players are you know who get uh, who get down to business and keep fit uh, at home within limits uh, and who are the ones that uh, um, don't really care they're rather unprofessional and there is many examples which they're not going to be fit and they've got about 10 days to get to much fitness, which is not very easy. I mean, when they do it over the summer, they take about a month or 40 days to get them up to speed. If they went back, if they regressed after more than a month to those levels, some players are just not going to be able to perform. Mm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. But Danilo, before we get, uh, we may talk about that a bit again, but before we do, do you want to tell everyone listening a bit about yourself, maybe in your Football Index story, like when did you join, any milestones? Any highlights, lowlights, etc.? Yes. Um, so I've joined Football Index in 2017, the end of 2017, uh, I think it was September, October. And when I joined, it was during the transitional period when they still had the top 200. I remember that I had the option to vote for people to get into the top 200 and uh, the bottom two would drop off and it was happening every Friday. I think it happened for two or three weeks. And then uh, PB was introduced, uh, and that was a big game uh, game changer back in the day. I mean, I didn't know much about the platform before, uh, but that got me interested. Um, so I started with a very small portfolio. You know, I, mean, I put 150 pounds in, I think, on the first uh, first deposit. Uh, I remember one of the first players I bought was uh, Icardi, uh, based on no reasons whatsoever. You know, just for value, <laughs> you know, just playing about with it. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I joined, you know, put hundred pounds in, uh, um, under fifteen, start playing about, uh, and then uh, made some gains, put some more money in, and I think uh, I was uh, about a thousand, uh, you know, I had a deposit of, of about a grand, uh, and then Football Index did the trader meeting in uh, in London. Central London, which was 
quite convenient. So, you know, the tickets were free. I so said, okay, let's book a ticket. If I can go, I'll, uh, I'll pop by. I'll see what, you know, what these guys are all about. Uh, and uh, that's where I got hooked at the end of the day because uh, I got to meet um, other traders with, you know, large portfolio. Some people I'm still in touch with, uh, actually, from the very first trader meeting. Uh, you know, you get to see Adam Cole and, uh, and Mike and, and Sharon. It was, uh, it was Van Damme. Uh, doing the speech and so on, and then uh, um, at the bar you have a couple of beers and uh, and have a chat with them. Um, so that combined with the bonus offer they did for the trader meetings, which was 20%, uh, 20% uh, made me deposit five five thousand know, pounds. So you will get the thousand pound bonus. Uh, and I never looked back. You know, so I mean the percentage gains back in the day they could have been much higher than uh, uh, than these days so you know in, in a month you could easily go into double digit uh, figures uh, uh, growth um, the, the portfolio started on building so put more money in put more money in and um, it's it snowballed and we got to this stage yeah i i really envy people who discovered football index before me i think in ireland it wasn't sort of i don't know marketed as much and i think it's it didn't take long when I first seen the ad for me to get involved. I just wished that I, I lived in England or somewhere because I know that I would have got involved four or five years ago if I had a seen the ads and knew what it was because it's it's literally exactly what I look for in, in any sort of platform or entertainment type of vessel. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'd, I'd love there to be more trader meets very soon. And I think coronavirus has obviously thrown a spanner in the works. I think they had planned a few, but... I'm really looking forward to them whenever all these restrictions start to, to go away. It'll be funny. Like, I, I always... What I think about Trader Meets is, like, do you know all these people who shit talk on Twitter and stuff? I cannot wait to see people having to look each other in the eye. It'll be... Honestly, it'll be, like, better than Big Brother. It'd just be amazing just to be in the room. But, yeah, I suppose we... we that That's great to know a bit about how long you've been on and your story. We go back just to briefly talk about that German football thing again. So, in my opinion football index has been pretty stagnant for the past week or so what do you think happens next really to stimulate the market do you think the german football will have a big enough effect or do you think based off the german football announcement football index will have their own announcement do you have any idea what you think is going to come in the next month um okay german football is uh, due to the start i mean it's all up in the air because uh, the french league has been cancelled you know that's official it's not going back apparently uh, but the germans want to restart and uh, so first of all you know looking just at the german it will be it will be quite big because you know you will have pb and mb and the football index said already that they will pay the five places on mb plus any pb if there is football uh, restarting so until the end of the month for, for sure you still get uh, you know the media madness and the five places which is um, which is great really uh, and then on top you get a pb so you get a lot of the hype a lot of the chasing some of the cheaper pb players which could return which could return quite healthy um quite healthy uh, quite a healthy roy really uh, based on their prices, uh, uh, due to the lack of competition, also they've got uh, the reduced threshold for uh, you know, um, well, silver really, because you're not going to have any gold days with just the German, just the German league. And then, depending on what's happening there, you'll have uh, France, uh, no, no, France, Spain, and Italy, which may well return sooner than England. 
and England will just be watching. Uh, they'll just be watching what happens in these in these countries and uh, take a decision from there. I don't see football starting in England until uh, June, maybe late June, uh, by maybe a little bit earlier for Spain and Italy. Yeah, um, it'll be behind closed doors, isn't it? I don't. I haven't actually looked at the rules. I think it's all behind closed doors and. Lots of things. Yes, it is either be behind closed door with very few, very few people attending. But yeah, behind closed door is the best, uh, is the best thing to do, really. I've said it before. I actually quite now. There's a lot to be said for having fans there, but from a TV perspective, whenever you're watching the TV, although the fans are great, I kind of enjoy hearing the communication on the pitch. Um, now I won't understand most of the German. I'm pretty sure, but. Uh, watching the, the English matches, the Premiership matches on TV with no fans can be quite interesting whenever you hear just the level of communication. And then you compare it to like Sunday League and how quiet everyone is. There's just constant chatter on the pitch and screaming and shouting. Um, it's brilliant. I wonder, something I wonder is like what football index's move is going to be next. Like when do they next make a move in terms of spreads and instant sale? some sort of bonus any sort of trans or dividend announcements for next year the media ipos there's just so much people are waiting to hear about i just have no idea what's next and what a timeline is it is for it i don't know if it's gonna be in weeks i don't know if we're gonna be waiting to june for something yeah it's a behold i mean what could football index do uh now i mean they already got these uh these things in place uh, and uh, i think they'll carry on until towards the end of the month when they make a call on uh, um, what to do next um i don't think they want to do anything short term or very short term for the remaining of the season they should be focusing on uh, what happens next so there's a lot of talk about you know uh, PB metrics change, for example, in the last uh, podcast and uh, on Twitter and elsewhere, really. Um, you know, it'd be good to get some clarity. You know, the PB metrics, for example, I don't think it should change, uh, not because I would trend, you know, I don't, uh, or stuff like that. It's for the simple reason that you need stability and um, there's a lot of people putting, you know, uh, money into players for uh, for a reason. You don't want factors uh, affecting those prices changing too often. So that, you know, they should just come out and say, you know, PB Matrix is staying, or if they want to change it, you know, kind of saying, uh, kind of saying it uh, well in advance. Um, but they should make statement of intent on what was coming next. Uh, they should be looking at positional changes, for example, and say. Positional changes, you know, they should be happening twice a year or once a year or, you know, every three months or whenever. You don't want positional changes to be random throughout the season because Opta, you know, wake up in the morning and feel like changing position here and there or based on international matches because it has an, a huge impact on players' value, really. Um, and then you never know if those changes will stick uh, or not. Uh, but more importantly, you know, MB should be looked at and uh, should you know we should get some clarity around what's happening with it you know they're doing a review but uh, you know uh, even if they cannot give the details we should be able to know if they're going to add uh, foreign outlets uh, if they are going to change the way um, the points are accumulated if they're going to change the way you know the names are picked up and uh, and these kind of things and lastly, dividends. I mean, uh, it'd be good to know what's happening next season. So we know that they do a review. 
Um, at the end of the season, we start a new one. Now this year, there's been a few things that you know they're not normal. So it'd be good to know what the plans are around uh, around dividends. Uh, so of course, PB and MB are the big ones, but also IPDs. You know, in theory, they could scrap them because they are uh, they are trial, whatever they called it. Um, so we should know basically what to expect in terms of dividends next year, so we can start plan and adjust portfolios accordingly. Mm. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that's up in the air. I think a couple of things just to consider, or a couple of points there is, I think this kind of, you know, we're kind of waiting to know if the PB matrix will be changed, and I think the longer it goes without hearing about it, we can speculate stronger that it won't be changed. I maybe phrased that quite badly, but what I'm trying to say is the shorter time it is until the start of next season without us hearing anything about a PB matrix change, the more certain you can be that it won't be changing. So I think if they were going to change it, they'd need to give a minimum of two months notice, minimum, maybe th- I would say three, like a quarter. Um, But I mean, if you think about it now, August is three months away. So I think if they were going to be changing the PB matrix, they would do it between the seasons. Maybe they need to find out when the next season will start to announce it. I don't know. I just think the longer this goes on, if we don't hear anything, people will start to speculate that it won't be changed and you might see rises in those players that get a lot off crossing. Because um, I think if you're going to change something like that, people need as much notice as possible. And I think we're kind of getting close to that time where there's not enough notice between... Yeah, I would completely agree. You will want to give... Yeah, you would want to give people, you know, a long, long enough notice uh, for for you know such a big change as the PB matrix. Uh, but last year they haven't. So last year, you know, they started talking about PB matrix change um, very late. You know, and I gave the feedback. Uh, you know, if you change the PB matrix now, you know, I think it was two weeks before the season and so on. It's a little bit late because people took positions on on players and so on. Uh, you know, in some cases, large positions to get out of those. It's not very easy, especially if your player, you know, is uh, is dropping in value, which means a long queue and uh, um, and not bias around. Uh, so they did it last year, so I don't see why they're not going to repeat it. You know, which would be a little bit of shame. Uh, but yes, they should think about you know such a big change well in advance and more importantly they should communicate uh, either way this is what we're planning to do um, even with no details this is what we're planning to do and uh, you know just be prepared just expect mm-hmm. it see it coming just something that I, th- I think there's i was going to plug index edge at some stage here and i think this is a good time because you mentioned position changes and actually something i really i only found out about there their spreadsheets they have at the minute, which I highly recommend everyone. You get two weeks free if you use the link in the description, so you may as well go and have a look, see what you think for yourself. But they have a potential position changes spreadsheet, and I think it's amazing. Do you know, it has all the players listed and how many times they've played out of position and where they played, so you can really predict who's going to get that move out of the midfield, the, the dreaded midfielder category to a defender or forward. But um, if you haven't tried Index Edge, I'd highly recommend at least trying it. Uh, use the link in the description and see what you think for yourself. Danilo, we could talk about that forever, but I feel like we're going to talk about it forever anyway. We may as well get some questions rolling because there were quite a lot. A lot of people were very excited about you coming on the podcast. Um, The first one here is from Joe Felix on Twitter. and He says, brilliant. He's very excited. 
How well do you think FI have done in handling the suspension of all matches and would you have done anything differently? Are you surprised at how well the market has reacted? Yes, I'm surprised how well the market has reacted. I was expecting April to be, you know, very flat, very flat move to say, to say the least. Um, I think they handle it, you know, they handle it extremely well. I mean, they, you know, the highest be suspended and the spread we being widened. Uh, I know it's got a lot of uh, criticism, and uh, um, some people may not have liked it, but uh, it, did, it, did, it did the job really. It stopped, it stopped people from panicking because uh, back back in the day there was potentially you know a week or even less. You know, those three four days where people didn't know what where people realized what was happening. Um, they really hit them. And in that moment, a lot of people uh, have done, and you know, uh, if I stopped it, uh, or would have done, uh, things they may, have, they may have regretted, something like, you know, ISing you know, all the port or, you know, half the port for uh, um, large spreads just to take, to take the money out. And that, in turn, would have caused more people to sell, you know, because when they sell off, other people sell for no other reason that others are selling. Um, so they stopped it there. And then they try to stimulate, they try to stimulate the market, you know, whichever, whichever way they, they could. So, you know, a little bit of deposit bonus, a little bit the, um, the media, the um, five places uh, before it was, uh, it was double dividends, uh, which was implemented before, you know, the stop and they couldn't change it. Otherwise, they would have done the five places before, I guess. Um, so I think overall, they handle, they handle it extremely well and uh, could have done anything different. Uh, um, no, in the short term, they did it very well. What they could have done or what they could do now is just add some clarity around, uh, around the future, really. Yeah. yeah. The next question is from Westy on the forum who says, as a fellow dividend-based trader, one of the regular tough decisions I find is about buying more, holding or selling the older dividend magnet players like Messi and Ronaldo. Do you hold the old? I do indeed, yes. Uh, I mean, one of the first things that I did when uh, media you know, got, got beefed up was to get back onto the Messi and Ronaldo of this world, for example, uh, because they were going to return uh, dividends and those dividends, uh, they... They were much more more, more more attractive, especially during the during the double period. Um, so yes, I got no age discrimination whatsoever. In fact, you know my age discrimination is go, goes the other way. You know, to against uh, yeah. the youngsters. <laughs> uh, but no, the old players they got great potential to return dividends, and because people you know don't like to hold to hold them because they are you know, on the brink of death apparently because of the age, uh, <laughs> the price tends to be lower which means uh, the return on investment uh, percentage tends to be higher. So yes, I do hold the old players. So you got to be careful when you're in and out uh, of them. You don't want to hold them throughout, but um, definitely yes to them, yeah. I suppose the ultimate old player in terms of ROI has to be Josep Ilicic. Uh What age is he, like 34 or something, 32, 34? He's I don't think enough. he's that old, actually. Ilicic, I think, is 31 or 32, maybe, yeah. Let me see. We'll check it out. He's bloody great. I mean, yeah. He is. Yeah, he's he's 32. Yeah, he's only 32. I don't know where I got 34 from, to be honest with you. But 
Uh, I get so many of him uh, because he was undervalued and I mean it was a ridiculous price and you know every PB win uh, it was great it was a great return I get so many of him and then when he jumped in price uh, in that case you know I've sold because there was huge demand and because you know it was uh, one of those trendy players and I thought he was going to after he, he basically he the peak and you know so I sold him there and uh, and then he kept on going up and he kept on winning PB and so on, so I regret it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a great example of, I mean, what is he now? Is he 140 or something? And he's won something like 40p dividends. Uh, he's just been, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, between his, it depends when you bought him, obviously, but between um, his IPD, you could say, his PB wins, he's 167. He had a peak there of 193. Uh, but he was sitting around 130 for a wee while and even lower. Um, but yeah, the dividends he returned. And I don't just for his age, I think he, he probably had a, he had a massive ROI if you got him whenever he was sub 150. But I'd, I'd say the age would have scared a lot of people off and almost suppressed his price. If, if he was sitting, if he was 27, 28 years old. Before five That's correct. Early. I mean, you look at I mean, look at other examples, you know, which uh, uh, which could be given. You know, Sergio Ramos, for example, is uh, you know, how old is he? Is he thirty-three? He's on penalties at Real Madrid. He won't be, you know, at least three times. Uh, and uh, every time he wins, you know, you get uh, you get a huge return on um, on on any win. But you know, people don't buy him because because he's too old. But he just signed a new contract. He's not going to get taken off penalties. He's not going anywhere, that's for sure. And uh, he's not going to go on the bench. I mean, he's going to be there at least mm. next year. And there's the Euros and, and the World he, Cup. Yeah, you'll expect him to drag on another year and do, you know, the Euros and the um, and the World Cup, uh, which they will be very close one to another. Uh, so, I mean, there's quite a few of those you know, old players. They are as good as gold. But yeah, you've got to be careful of you know when um, when you sell basically. Lewandowski jumps out at me as well, just as one of those older players. The price is definitely suppressed over over age. But we could go on and on and talk about them because there's so many of them. But we'll move on to the next question, which is kind of on topic. Thankfully, um, FBI Trader on Twitter asked, "At what point do you look to get out or reduce holdings in a player when their dividends does not compensate for their drop in capital appreciation?" For example, when they start to age, I think I, st- I still think Ronaldo is amazing for MB and PB when footy returns, but Messi has been dropping for a while. So he, I suppose he's asking there, like, at, at what stage do you kind of make that call and decide the sort of risk here or the decrease in capital appreciations not outweighs the dividends? It's it's a hard one to judge. <laughs> It is, yes. I mean, those players, I mean, especially now, uh, even so before, because he didn't want to take a 10% hit on instant sell, but especially now when they are uh, widened, you have to think about uh, selling those players to the market. Uh, so when do you get out? I mean, it's a case-to-case. It depends on, uh, you know, what happens on the pitch. It depends on what happened to their price and so on. I mean, I tend to be in and out of players quite, quite often. Uh, so the Ronaldo and the Messi... I didn't hold them before the, you know, Corona started to hit um, England, really. Um, but I hold them before, and then I sold them. You buy them, you sell them, and so on. So it will depend from the price, uh, the market demand, uh, and you know their potential, the potential returns uh, 
uh, of dividends, whatever they may be over the period of time you, you hold them. But yeah, thinking about when and how to get out is, uh, is key, really. Yeah. Mm. Robbo has asked, what ways can football index stimulate the market if there's no football until next season? All leagues cancelled. Well, we know this isn't going to be the case. Well, things can change, but I imagine this won't be the case. But I suppose let, let's pretend that football was cancelled. What ways can they stimulate the market? I think there's one massive thing in my head here is IPOs, but are there any other ways in your head? Um, yes, IPOs could be one of them. But, but would they stimulate the market? I mean, it will stimulate money going in, uh, fresh money going in, and, uh, and into those players. Uh, it'd be a little bit tricky because a lot of people don't have money lying around. They can deposit into uh, into football index and they may want to jump on those IPOs, but they may be struggling to sell their players. So that means uh, there could be, you know, whoever's got money to buy those players could be in a slight advantage and be able to pick them up a little bit cheaper. But, you know, there's a lot of demand for IPOs. People get excited, you know, the new toys, uh, uh, the new toys to play with and so on. Uh, so that could be a way. Um, I mean, football, yes, it may start, but it may be well stopped, you know, if there's starting to be cases uh, around players, you know, something happens to a player, you know, something very bad and so on. Uh, so that's still... That's still on the card. That's something to be considered. What can they do? I mean, what can they do? Carry on with the media, and uh, so you know, stimulate it a little bit uh, that way. Although after a while, you know, it kind of loses a little bit of uh, uh, of the impact. Uh, they could do IPOs, uh, and it goes back to they could get some clarity they could you know maybe share some of their plans for the future so what's happening in germany for example you know would be go overexcited about germany it was the end of the last year or the beginning of this year you know germany joining and uh, um, and so on we may now and we haven't heard the word about it we don't know what's happening we don't know if they're launching in germany or not we don't know even more importantly we don't know if it's going to be a pool market or not um so kind of what to expect, what's happening during the year, uh, getting a little bit of clarity would be would be crucial. Even because, I mean, if you got people wanting to invest money, you know, so the high net individuals wanted to put 100 grand, you know, on this thing because they think it's good, um, they want to know that, you know, the rules don't change four times in six months. And, uh, you know, their investment, which is very good today, is not going, is not going to look so great in six months' time, because the rules have changed, and you know the players that decided to bet or invest in uh, whichever word we want to use um, have lost value because of it. Mm. There's in terms of that, the kind of what ways can they stimulate the market? I said IPOs, but I mean, if you do put up IPOs and people, can, well, historically, I suppose if they if they announce IPOs, the more premium players and the rest of the market maybe drops a little bit because. People are taking money out to buy the IPO, so that maybe wouldn't stimulate the market. But now, when people can't instant sell, I mean, you could get mass listings, but I don't know how much IPOs would stimulate the market per se. It might more, it might just get an influx of cash into the market, but maybe wouldn't really get add liquidity to the premium sort of top two hundred. But 
I mean, other ways, I suppose, a, a dividend increase or anything that adds value. So even a deposit, another deposit bonus or anything like that. I think there's a million ways they can get around things. Um, yeah, if they would announce, for example, the I mean, if they felt it necessary. Yeah, if they would announce, you know, dividends next year, there'll be X, Y, and Z, you know, which will be, you know, X percent more than uh, more than this year. You know, that will stimulate the market. That will, you know give some clarity to people and uh, they will go like i'm gonna mean dividends are this amount now next year there will be that amount it is worth putting more money in um so that would be that would be a way to stimulate yes i mean ipos they wouldn't stimulate the market as such but they will get you know an influx of cash into the platform that's for sure mm. The FI Pompey Josh has asked he said he's looking forward to this one a question for Danilo uh, where do you see football index in the next five years? So you obviously have a substantial enough amount of money in the platform. What would be your goal, I suppose, in five years' time? What would you dream of seeing? Um, five years. So five years, uh, I mean, uh, it's a very long time. Um, hopefully you'll expect that uh, it'll be gone mainstream. So it'll be gone uh, um, as one of the, you know, betting place to go. Um, in the UK, and then uh, you'll expect it to be in other countries. Uh, so you know Germany and you know Europe, America, Australia. I mean, you you, you name the places where you know they could they could launch it, and uh, there is a big gambling uh, culture, and, uh, and people with money basically just and the love of football um, just getting into football index so uh, five, in five years uh, hopefully in many countries and uh, you know with millions of active users mm. that would be the dream wouldn't it i can't wait to you would, yes 50,000 podcast listeners a week quit my job <laughs> that would be the dream in five years time um i don't know the sky's the limit it's such a crazy I don't know, there's just so many possibilities for how it goes over the next five years, and a lot of that's down to, well, 90% of that's down to what Football Index do. Um, yeah, yeah. But obviously there's there's other things you just can't control, and there's a bit of luck involved when it comes to business, so I just fingers crossed the stars align, and I suppose things things work out. Because I, I, <laughs> I don't want to see my portfolio sort of stagnant, or up and down and up and down, or even just make 5% over the next five years, I think. All of us wanted to really go on and get millions of active traders and the order book system to really work and just really keep going and get to the point where I suppose we are now. Even if you join now, you'd be considered an early adopter. That would be the, the dream. And then people who actually were early adopters like yourself would be sitting on a gold mine. Yes, I mean, uh, um, yeah, basically, you know, I mean, you're joining now, or, you know, last year or whatever, the people will look at you and say, you know, I wish I could find, you know, I would have found a football index before and I would have joined and so on. I mean, I say the same, I joined in 2017 and the platform I was, uh, uh, what was it, you know, more than two years old, you know, it's like, damn, you know, if I could have joined in 2015, I'll be laughing now. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, um, I, I, I mean, at, at the moment uh, you've got you've got a rate of growth. You've got new users. Uh, um, you love to see you know that increasing. Uh, but even saying that, as that number gets bigger, the percentage increase will be will be lower. So I don't know if they got uh, you know six hundred thousand uh, users now. If they get another sixty thousand, 
it will be just 10% more. So you've got to think, you've got to think about that. The bigger it gets, you know, the less percentage you can expect in return, uh, in returns on your, on, on, on your portfolio, really. That's interesting, like, because a lot of people might just think, and, and even me, I'd consider myself quite good at maths, but just if you kind of think of it, I'd have been thinking, oh, as the market keeps growing, everyone's portfolios will keep growing. But whenever you have 200,000 active users and then you have 400,000, like, that's a humongous increase as compared to 600,000 to 800,000. It's not the same relatively in terms of ratios and percentages. So I suppose even if Football Index are doing a great job in onboarding and getting more people on board, the market might necessarily reflect the numbers that they're getting. It's a strange thing to kind of get your head around, but it's a really good point. Um, yeah, that's what dividends. I mean, yeah. Okay, go on. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I mean, that's where dividends, you know, comes and uh, and play a huge role because uh, yes, you get capital appreciation. Yeah, you can flip. You can you know do what uh, um, do what you can you're good at and so on to. You know, to clean some money there, but dividends are uh, are a key because are a source of uh, of income really. Uh, I mean, on my portfolio, which is very very mixed and uh, uh, very balanced, uh, I've got uh, you know returns of approximately one percent a month on dividends alone. Uh, so that's where they play a huge part. You know, if you look at it, one percent is quite a lot a month. You know, it's going to be twelve percent, twelve percent a year, which is not bad by um, any means, uh, so where they that's where they play a huge part now, and they will play a huge part uh, even more so in the future. Mm, completely agree. Metropolis has asked, "Who was your first one hundred percent player?" And by that he means player to win dividends equal to his value. Dividends equal to value. Uh, I don't think I've got any. I think I've got Sancho, which is very close. Uh, um, I bought Sancho at two pounds, and let me quickly check how much return in dividends. dividends Buying Sancho at two pounds. It says a few people at home got it here and that. Over the moon for you, obviously, but second for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I got Sancho, which is at something like 60% dividends. Uh, but yeah, Nobody returned that price in uh, in dividends. Nobody can think of anyway, um, and that would be a very I mean, a very good position to be in, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it takes it takes some it takes some time, especially with uh, um, those prices. Uh, um, those prices, yeah. I mean, I had a few of you know, cheap players, you know, cheap 20, 30p players winning big dividends and so on, but I can't remember who they are, and they're long gone now, anyway. Mm. Yeah, there's been a few of them through the season where you, you see a 30 or 40p player win a 16p dividend. And it's yes, insane yeah, that's a 50% ROI, but, kind of, yeah. Yeah, but the amount of people who obviously get that sort of win and get to scream and shout about it are very little, because if there's only 30 or 40p in the player, I mean, there's not a lot of shares out there. His second question, Metropolis, was, what do you think about the current prices of players versus potential dividends? Do you think the value of the players is, I suppose fair considering the dividends on offer yet do you think they're overpriced underpriced or about right i think they're underpriced uh, i mean if you look at what the dividends on offer were before these increases and the prices of players and you look at what's on offer now and the prices of players that ratio is not quite there yet i mean the neymar go to 24 pounds or something before dividends were increased and uh, 
Nigdens kind of doubled, and now the top player is you know less than 14 pounds. Uh, so you got you got plenty of room, uh, plenty of room there for uh, for players to grow to to grow with this dividend structure. Sancho has been a godsend for the platform in many ways because he's in very much in in very many ways he's the perfect storm in terms of his situation, his nationality, his actual ability, just everything about. It. I've talked about this, so I'm not going to go off on a massive Sancho pump fest here, but um, I mean he has been the stars have really really aligned for Sancho and what that's done is enabled us to have a player that's really stretched the market and went to sort of 13 14 pounds um it'd be interesting to see where the market was if Sancho didn't exist do you know would someone else have done it I don't know if someone else would have I don't know if you would have a 13 50 player if it wasn't possibly not to that levels but some of the players you know uh, in around the you know eight nine pounds mark would be would be higher you'll expect I mean, some of those they got huge potential for returning dividends, uh, but they're just being ignored a little bit because they're out of fashion. I could use Neymar as an example. You know, his price has been uh, stagnating, and now this uh, suspension of the French league is not going is not going to help him. But you know, he returns dividends for sure. I mean, you know that during here, you know, he's going to win X amount of dividends. You know, and his price at eight pounds in theory. If you compare it to the potential of him returning dividends, um, it is uh, is undervalued. I mean, he's is uh, very cheap compared to what he's capable to to return. And there is you know there is quite a few examples, uh, quite a few examples in there. So you'll expect uh, you know the market to be less stretched, to have a few more people bunched up, uh, but towards you know higher prices. It's a funny one because I think the whoever's listening, if you're listening and you made this or you know the person who made this, let me know. Send me a message somewhere. There was someone I seen post a bit of research behind media on Twitter. This was weeks ago at this stage. And it was basically saying who misses out on the most media based on their name or based on different circumstances. And it showed that Erling Bright Halland missed something like 90% of articles attributed to him based just because of the matrix and how shit it is. Um, do you think whenever they do the media overhaul or rejig that players like that will be rewarded do you think Mbappe and Haaland and I don't know young exciting players across Europe not just England will be rewarded do you think that's in football index's interest yeah it depends what they do you know the short answer is uh, you know yes they should be rewarded because uh, whichever uh, system they would they put in place it will be better than uh, than what we have at the moment uh, but yeah the players that everybody talks about in the world they should be the, the, the or Europe they should be rewarded really uh, so yeah the Mbappe uh, in theory should benefit from whatever media change they do you know let it be adding um, you know European European newspaper let it be you know changing the way the scoring is done or how the names are picked up because often these players they get referred to just with the surname in Neymar's case that's you know that's his, 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 his Neymar so it's got only one name so that we always call him Neymar while uh, you know with uh, Messi they may call him Leo they may you know just say Messi and same with, uh, with Mbappe and there was this thing about the accent as well uh, so it was Mbappe and uh, and quite a few other players that, that they weren't picking up uh, media because of it um, and I think it's been addressed I think in terms of the platform going forward 
it's been discussed quite a lot that if they do go into Germany or Spain or anywhere else, pulled liquidity is the really the only way it would make sense. Uh, now they might do it another way, God knows, but pulled liquidity would be the ultimate situation. And if that was to happen, you'd like to think that it would be in their interests to have the media more European friendly before that happens. So I do think it, it should be a big part of this sort of media overhaul. And if it isn't a part, I do think there would be a bit of disappointment. Uh, it should be. Uh, yeah, it should be. The English bias is all great. And it's, you know, it is part of the platform, whether we like it or not. But I think the more European friendly, less biased towards any player in the platform this can be, and the more of a level, level playing field across Europe. I mean, I just think it's better for everything. I think it, it's just better for football index, if that's the case, in my opinion. So, I would be a bit disappointed if, if the media wasn't adjusted and, and fixed accordingly. Um, we'll go on to another question. DJ Nice FI, do you think media... Oh, here we go. Do you think media will open up to foreign news outlets first before they expand the index to other countries, maybe with the media review that's coming, or would they be better off only adding outlets from countries they expand into? This is actually very, very... Um, this is along the lines of literally I was just talking about. I think it would make sense to open up to the foreign news outlets first and then expand instead of the other way around because otherwise you'll get these other countries who sign up the football index and their media's top players aren't getting anything and it'll, I think it would just be a bit of a... I think it would look a bit shit. Um, so I think that would be my prediction that they're going to make this more European friendly. Then if they expand, they're set for it. And as you say, would they be better off adding outlets only from countries they expand into? Why not just do them all and then down the line, if you're need to, if you going to go into other countries, you don't need another review. You can just have it done and hopefully we won't need to change it for a few years and then it can be tweaked. Um, does that make sense? Would you agree? Or you yes, think? I think they should, they, they should open to, I mean, they, they should open to all the European and top, I mean, main, uh, main newspapers, really, um, before they expand. Because it will bring you know the prices more in line with uh, you know the whole of Europe, I suppose, than uh, rather than just England. It might be a wee bit drastic to the market, like it would it would really really shaft, I suppose, big English players. So I don't know if they can do it, but I mean I think the dream scenario, I don't think it's realistic because the likes of Bruno and that would tank. But imagine you could have four or five newspapers from each of Europe's top five leagues countries do you know like five german five french five italian five spanish five yeah i don't English. think they go you know i don't think it'll be even anyway i think they'll still be you know very uk based uh, but you know having a hint of uh, those top newspapers uh, from from around europe would be would be good yeah i think it's something over time they could kind of generally phase towards something but i think that would be too drastic straight off the bat but I don't know, I just think for the platform that'd be good, but I'm kind of banging on about that a bit, and there's probably some massive flaws in that. Um, Dan, I haven't thought about it before now. Like uh, Dan Jackknife has a few questions here, so we go through them. Um, excellent that you have, Danilo. Has lockdown made you change your strategy rapidly? Have you changed anything with this, or did you just kind of stay calm? Um, yes, you always have to change your strategy um, rapidly. Uh, so when you know uh, he hit, uh, I mean, when the situation started to get clearer, uh, as I said, I went back into those uh, you know older dividend returners. So I bought Ronaldo and the Messi of this world, and uh, 
I don't got the figures for Messi, but he won through dividends. But Ronaldo returned, you know, 20% in dividends over the past month or so, um, which is not too bad by any means. And and he's increased in price a little bit, you know, which is unusual with these old players, but he's going another, you know, 10, uh, 10 odd percent in there, a bit more actually, 20% odd in there. Um, so, yes, anything that happens, let it be in football index uh, driven by them or, uh, or around uh, um, or in football or uh, around what drives prices, you have to change your strategy pretty quickly. Mm. He goes on then to say which holds were the most frustrating during lockdown and which were the best, the most, like which ones have worked out well. So did, did, did this, I suppose, did coronavirus, based on how your portfolio was already set, did you get any nice little like sort of bonuses out of it, and did it kill you anywhere else? Like, were there any players that it really affected either way in your portfolio? Uh, well, the IPD players, you know, they just just there, you know, dead. Nobody they got no market whatsoever. They just been sitting there uh, uh, waiting for something to happen. Uh, so they were frustrating because you couldn't sell them, you couldn't get out, you couldn't use those money elsewhere, and you just have to keep them and wait for uh, for something positive to happen around them um, and the bigger winner, the bigger winners were uh, yeah NB NB players really or you know potential transfers targets for the summer yeah and I suppose even more recently German players have got that little kick and they've had a bit of a premium to them it'll be interesting to see does that equalize out and kind of do they go back or does everyone else come up whenever other leagues return do you know what I mean like whenever other leagues return, do they come up to the kind of German levels, or does German do German players drop off a bit? As you said earlier, um, hype is pretty much everything. So now everybody's buying German because you know German is coming back. But some of those people buying those players, uh, they will not hold them when uh, a ball is kicked again. So they just buy them to flip them to make some money, and then they move them on to the next uh, to the next hype, which could be La Liga or Serie A. Um, actually, will be La Liga or Serie A because they'll be the starting before the Premier League, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the hype is what drives what drives the the prices uh, uh, in most cases. Yeah. Well, do you know what it is? I think it's time to move on. Now, this next question is like a hybrid question. But after this question, we're going on to footstock land. I'm, and in any time of a big footstock character on the show, I like to have a 15, 20 minutes at the end on it. Um, so football index people, there's one more question for you. And then after that, um, I think we'll move on to a bit of footstock chat. First off, now this is something I've never done on the show. Um, I feel like a bit of a pretentious twat doing it, but here we go. I started a Patreon account. And part of it is that I give a shout out to people who signed up. So... FI Understudy was my first. He was my first patron. Fair play. Thank you very much. Lee Tennant also signed up. Thank you. Um, I'll give you all just a quick shout out. Andy Wilson, Gregor Strachan, Dermot Mazzarieri, Finn O'Neill, Emmett Brown, Tony Loftus and D-Mal. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not really going to ask anyone to sign up. It's more of an optional thing. Do you know? I feel weird asking people for money. But what I'm going to use that for is it's not for profit. It's to buy mics and laptops and fun streaming shit and... I mean, even this podcast recording software is like 50 quid a month. But look, I feel like a bit of a twat. So do it if you want. Don't do it if you don't. I don't care. FI Austria Mags has asked, 
where do you see football index and footstock in november 2020 in terms of growth this is a hybrid here breaking us into the footstock land in terms of growth uh so by the end of the year you'll expect uh, i mean it depends on what happens you know our football goes back to uh, you'll expect football index, uh, you know, to be back up and running uh, uh, with uh, with the marketing and uh, um, with a few more things uh, which are which are clearer. And uh, maybe you'll expect them to be in Germany by then and uh, starting talking about about something else. So I mean, you'll expect the company to to grow. How much? I don't know really. I mean. Uh, how many users do we have now? I mean, real active users, and how many we left by then? You know, maybe you can put 15, uh, you know, 15 percent approx uh, on top of what we have now. Uh, full stock is still new. I mean, now had massive growth, um, massive growth, you know, over the past week or so. Uh, so their growth could be much more rapid in terms of percentage, in terms of percentages. Uh, so. Again, you know, um, they could have you know expansion plans. They could have a new league next year. Uh, surely they'll have the Euros. Uh, you know, whenever they will, uh, they will be played. Uh, they are developing. Uh, they will get a few teasers of uh, you know um, of new designs. So you know, developing the app and improving improving the platform. Uh, so in percentage terms, uh, uh, they could uh, they could. I mean, I could have, I don't know, three, four hundred percent more users than they have now. Maybe even no, maybe even more. Um, it depends on what they do and uh, how quickly it starts to expand into other communities as well. I mean, we had an influx of uh, football index users, uh, I suppose, you know, when, they, when the football stop, uh, stopped um, and when they launched those virtual, uh, virtual matches. Uh, uh, but they go other markets, which they go potential huge user bases that could go and tap in into um, into full stocks. You know the FPL, DFS, whatever that is, because I don't I don't really know that well. You know, but uh, I hear a few people talking about it and playing it. Uh, you know, the people that like to open packs. You know, the FIFA ultimate uh, uh, ultimate thingy there. So there's quite a few markets that they could tap in and attract users from. So percentage-wise, they got much higher potential of uh, of growth, really, of users at least, anyway. Mm. And I suppose it's important to note that's coming from a man. For any football index listeners out there who are thinking, like, God damn it, Footstock. I mean, that's coming from a man. You've got a substantial amount of money in football index, a lot more than you do in Footstock, if I'm correct. That be a lot right, more, yes, it? yes, no, of course. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, that's completely unbiased. Um, I do agree with you. I mean, Footstock have they've grown three or four hundred percent in the last couple, week or two. If they do that again in the next six months, that's that's monstrous growth. And when football comes back and FPL Twitter accounts are maybe a bit more active, and you know, God knows what could happen. Um, so, but I do also think football index will see strong growth in that time period too, because I think both are very revolutionary and like sort of new ways to bet and gamble and i'm just very excited to see where it goes but that that's a bit of a hybrid question we're going to go into footstock stuff now so if you're a football and next person and you really don't care about footstock goodbye um however you should probably sign up with the link in the description 
um, I'd really appreciate it. I'm an affiliate. If you do, I get something. I think at the minute you're getting like 50 bonus cards, which are eligible until 30 days after Premiership Football returns. And you also get a tenner worth of tournament coupons, so you can give them a spin in the tournaments and try and win some money. So, yeah, why not? Um, okay, F.I. Elliot has asked, a footstock question for both, as I'm still new to this. Where do you see footstock in 12 months? We'll not answer that because we've kind of talked about that in six months, so we'll not waste time. Can the cards maintain a high price and how much further do you think the platform will grow? That's a question. I mean, the, how much more do you think the platform will grow? I think that's a tough question. It could go, as you've as he referenced there, it's grown four times this week. I mean, we've sort of talked about that, but the cards and their high prices, what happens there? Is there How high can they go? Do they come down and other cards take their places? Like, what? What's the, how, how do they... This is a question I struggle with for Footstock. How do... With the order book system, right, you can't just do a card split and give everyone loads of cards because then everyone has loads of cards and it's an order book system so everyone could just list their Brunos for 150 quid anyway but then there'd be less demand for them and more supply so maybe its price comes down but then does that sort of hurt those portfolios or collections that have already held a bunch of these expensive players? Like I don't, I don't know how they go about making the premium players more accessible to beginners while also benefiting early adopters. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Yes, and it's quite tricky. I mean, uh, I mean the way full stock works is completely different from Football Index. I mean, they're com two completely different uh, platform and concept, uh, and uh, uh, they shouldn't be kind of uh, looked in a way, yes, full stock is going to have uh, uh, more growth, therefore I can make more money there, or you know, the prices that will grow more there, because it doesn't work that way. Uh, I mean, the way... Full stock works basically is uh, you know supply and demand. So the more cards there are uh, around, uh, in theory, the less I mean the less valuable they, they are. At the same time, those cards uh, uh, they are needed by users, so they are used up. They are used up that way. But prices they will not just increase because new users come in. Prices they will increase when a player is valuable in some way. So it's valuable because people think they will be the next big thing. And, uh, you know, they just buy them cheap, uh, they just buy a lot, uh, they buy them cheap uh, with a view to profit on the capital appreciation, but more importantly is uh, the utility they've got uh, in the tournaments. So the tournaments is really where uh, where the money are. I mean, uh, they were, uh, the, the pot of the pro this week is almost £10,000. The winner is going to bug, uh, you know, six, I think £1,600. Um, as it is, and it's been growing, and those pots have been growing, uh, uh, they've been growing massively over the past over the past few days. Um, so growth doesn't mean higher prices, even because I mean you, that, that there will be a ceiling. There will be a ceiling which will stop the normal user uh, or you know any average user from uh, from joining, because not many people want to pay 150 pounds for a Bruno, for example. Not many people can pay 150 pounds for the Bruno. And then uh, you get to a point where, if it does well, you can compete because you know you just you just can't buy it, and the people who have the having will uh, will top the leaderboard. But having saying that, uh, there's many other cheaper options which can do well on the day and they can win uh, huge huge prices. Um, because you know any pound player could have you know the game of his life and score a lot of points and uh, put you up there and win uh, um, win a lot of money. 
but uh, that's something that we have to look at and consider. Uh, yeah, they can't do a share split. It will have to be a card split, which you know to bring the prices down. But on the, at the same time, you put hell of a lot more cards around. Um, so maybe they can play, you know, with uh, the pack prices a little bit, uh, you know, to reduce supply. They introduced the coupons, uh, you know, uh, recently. Uh, I guess to give some people or give people, you know, something back, uh, but uh, it's not only cards. So, you know, there's no another supply of cards and people, you know, get the money that they can use in tournaments and uh, get customized to, to the platform. Um, but yeah, the, we, we don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, growth of users doesn't mean increased prices as it will be in the index because, mm. you know, it's a different a different concept yeah it's completely different so i suppose people who come over from football index expecting oh i'll join up and i'll buy loads of players and come back in three years and they'll all be worth more football and football footstock is much different in terms of another huge thing i suppose on footstock is in the premiership anyway you've pretty much got every player from every team right down to sort of like sometimes under 23s under 18s like their youth squads to an extent like there's a lot a lot of players there so you really can try and find the next big thing you can try and buy someone for 50p who you're hoping is the next bruno one is worth 150 pounds in a year and a half two years three years so there's a, it's a different kind of maybe you could say in a way there's a like in football index you could maybe pick a shit player but the growth of the market in general kind of drags you up whereas maybe on footstock you can't just go and buy good players and ride the wave you kind of maybe need to if if you're going for cap app and not tournament winnings etc for capital appreciation maybe there's a little bit send more skills a bit much maybe but a lot of skill involved trying to find who's going to be the next five star category card who's going to be worth 100 pounds it's it's i don't know there's a lot to it um but i don't i don't know i just think it's a hard one for them and obviously there's they're they're recruiting a lot of staff and there's gonna be a lot of brains thinking about this how do you keep it accessible to beginners while also rewarding the early adopters who have faith in the, pl the platform um it'd be interesting to see how it pans out but i think it's there's no better time to get involved i mean really when it, like growing is only a, it can only be a good thing for the platform really um anyway wayne deport has asked there's always a lot of talk from both footstock and football index communities on twitter and other social media sites as to which is the best and why one is better than the other my question is i know you do both as do i do you think both products can work alongside each other and if so why um i've been a long long time advocate of both platforms working alongside each other i mean they've sponsored me since november and it's because i love the platform and reached out to them um I think they're completely different and of course they can work alongside I, I said it I, I don't want to talk about this every week but I talked about it last week but it's a big topic at the minute because of the boom of footstock and it's all over everyone's timelines but I mean I think the common enemy here is traditional gambling and once you get people to realize there's another way you can gamble and that is sort of longer term and it's it's a different way of doing it I think that's that's the real I don't know the team effort here to beat traditional bookies that's the only similarity i see between the two platforms they're very different other than the fact that it's maybe based on football and longer term does that make sense it does yes uh i mean yes they got a lot of similar i mean they, they, they got a few similarities uh you know uh the fact that yes they are gambling platform uh, they got boot football in there you can buy and sell players 
Um, but apart from that, they are revolutionary products. They are new products. They are something uh, which is different from uh, you know the normal uh, uh, betting world. And if you look at uh, you know the gambling industry, there is a hell of a lot of money that get uh, um, you know that get thrown thrown around. Uh, uh, in all sorts of all sorts of gambling. So what they try to do is uh, try to do something different. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with football index how successful uh, it can be and what kind of market uh, there is in there for little niche products. And uh, you know, food stock is one of those. And you know, the more the the more the better, really. Uh, I mean, sports stock came out as well, um, which I tried and I didn't particularly like. So I just took my money out and, you know, never opened the app again, actually deleted it. Um, but, you know, the more of these platforms platforms that come out, uh, the better it is uh, for uh, for everyone, really. And uh, there's no harm in trying them. Some people may like them, some people may not. So, I mean, I hate to see all this, you know, football index against uh, against full stock uh, talk on Twitter and so on because because it isn't really you know it's those two and whoever comes out you know against traditional gambling and uh, there's various aspects you may you may enjoy uh, you may not uh, I mean I enjoy I enjoy full stock enjoyed it a lot I've been there since uh, since day one it's been an interesting it's been an interesting ride and uh, I absolutely Absolutely loved to see what happened, you know, in um, in the last two weeks, you know, with the wave of of influx. They also very quick to to adapt and uh, um, to get things done. I mean, these virtual games they've been a game changer, and uh, I mean they've developed them within uh, what two weeks, um, you know, very short period, very short period of time, and you know they only did them because. Of what happened, you know, with Corona, with everything stopped and so on. I think it was always on their uh, on their agenda, on their plans, but you know, they just push it through because it was the right thing to do at the moment. Mm. It's it's a funny one. Like I think it's real schoolyard shit. Whenever people are like football index versus footstock, like I almost picture like High School Musical and people having a dance off. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like why people care so much about how another man or other men decide to spend their money and enjoy their time. If, if one guy enjoys footstock and doesn't like football index and you like football index and you don't like footstock, who gives a fuck? Do you know what I mean? Coronavirus doesn't discriminate between hobbies and between races. Why should you? You're like, fucking hell, just let people do what they want. If they want to do both, let them do both. Do you know? I get like, one thing that annoys me, and this is, the, this is where maybe footstock people will be listening to the podcast. I think people should stop hashtagging footstock content or footstock things with the football index hashtag. That pisses people off. I mean, there's no rules around it, but I mean, what's going to happen is football index. People are going to start hashtagging everything footstock when it's it's football index. But that's something that annoys me because I think it just agitates people and it further kind of cements this. I don't know this kind of divide in this. I don't know competition or something. But anyway, we move on. We've just about time for the last two questions here, and we're going to wrap up. So, footstock chat has asked. Uh, he says he can't wait for this. What excites you most about Footstock's future? I'll just read them all out, and you can go off on one. Why should football index fans try Footstock? And when will you be doing your own two K pack opening live stream? You can back off, bitch. That's my territory. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, I suppose? What 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 excites you most about Footstock's future? And why should FI fans try Footstock? That's that's his question. 
Well, uh, the future, uh, I mean, they just started. I mean, what we see now, there's, uh, you know, there's a thousand odd entries on, on the free roll, which whilst on site is, uh, you know, is great because the numbers were much lower uh, until recently. Um, just imagine what those numbers could be when, uh, you know, more people sign up to, uh, to the platform, when it expands uh, to other, uh, other platform, you know, when it taps in into other, uh, um, other users and so on. Um, it will be much harder to win. Uh, but having said that, when you win, it will be very rewarding. Um, and also, I mean, we, we don't know what uh, what their plans are. So we don't know what if they're going to add other leagues. So that could be really exciting, you know, Serie A, for example. Um, I'm very little edge there. Um, we, we, we don't know if they want to expand in other territories and so on. I mean, they're still so young as a company um, that uh, they've got many less limits, you know, than a bigger company like, um, like Football Index, for example, you know, making changes and... Uh, and doing it, trying things. Uh, so basically, you know, what's coming next, you know, I mean, everything, everything about them is quite exciting at the moment. And why Football Index users should try it? Um, I'll say, why not, really? You know, is uh, you know, is football is uh, uh, based on performances, is based on uh, knowledge, is based on uh, many things that, you know, people associate to, to football. So, there's no harm in uh, in trying it, and then if they don't like it, they can just they can just you know delete the app, take their money out, and uh, and never never looked at it again. Um, although it may be very different, you know, in a few months' time when they do uh, develop the app, you know, which is another exciting part. Um, I mean, there is the aspect. I mean, uh, I saw quite a few of the new joiners that you know they enjoy flipping players, so there is the aspect of Trading, uh, um, trading in there, um, which will be refined, I suppose, uh, uh, the way the way you trade players, the way you place your orders, and and so on, and uh, even more so these days, order books. So they go another book system, which uh, will be implemented at some point on uh, on football index, which we haven't touched before. Actually, uh, there's going to be a big change. Uh, but we haven't got details about it just yet. But, you know, we know all the books are coming on Football Index. We don't know how they're going to look. We don't know how they're going to operate uh, just yet, but we know they're coming. And Fullstock has all the books. Uh, so there will be a way to, you know, if, 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 you, if you don't know what an order book is, if you never used one before, uh, it would be a good way to, you know, tap your, um, dip your toes in uh, that aspect of uh, of the platform and uh, try to understand how it could well how it could help you, you know, uh, in football index in the future. Mm. And as I said, if you use the link in the description, you get those fifty bonus cards. So basically, you have fifty bonus cards and a tenner worth of tournament coupons. I think is their latest offer. Um, which is literally geared towards getting someone on and getting them to try tournaments and see how it works. So why not just go and try it if you haven't? Anyway, yes, and those tournaments, uh, I mean, those tournaments are fun as hell. I mean, uh, you know, see the leaderboards, you know, checking your players that you go left and see how many points um, you need, or you know, if you got hoops to end up in a paying position or not, and so on. Uh, they are extremely fun and, uh, and engaging. I've actually got a bone to pick with you, Danilo. Um, you motherfucker. 
last <laughs> week on my on my Thursday I do uh, so this will be out on Monday every Thursday in May I'm doing a live stream at 8 o'clock I was in a 32 man roulette tournament and I got to the final on the live stream to win it was a de- decent card I think someone had put in and you were in the final <laughs> yeah uh, actually I don't Pepe or something James Copeland threw it in and you beat me in the final <laughs> that was and good actually it. I don't I don't enter those those roulette games very very often, the sixteen and thirty two. Uh, but I was watching the live stream, and uh, you know I saw that you know that card was being put in. I was like, okay, let's enter. So I put somebody in, you know, and I won. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> watching watching you being rewarded. That's it. Yeah. So I'm doing it again tonight, but obviously this podcast will be out later. But um, hopefully it's as successful as it was last week. It was great fun. Um, and it'll be on this Thursday for whenever you get this podcast at 8 o'clock on my YouTube um, Aaron Palace last question of the day what is your thought process when selecting teams for tournaments on footstock huh. if I tell you I'll have to kill you <laughs> as, as, as we say back home uh, well I mean goals and assists are uh, you know, a big part of the scoring matrix in, in full stock. So you want to chase goals and axes, so you want to take pick, you know, pick scores. Um, so that is a part of it. And uh, also, I mean, in virtual, you know, is a little bit less applicable, but uh, because we see a lot of goals. Um, but you, you know, clean sheets and uh, for the keeper and for the, 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 the defenders, you know, can be can generate quite a lot of points uh, and uh, and then you look at you know dribbles uh, so players that you know they be more uh, flamboyant that they can uh, they can generate quite a few points in there but generally speaking you want to select players from winning teams because you got a win bonus you know, which is quite uh, which is quite big um, and ultim- I, I mean I, I'll, uh, ultimately you want to select as many flare as many attacking players as you can really i mean you got some restrictions where you have to select the keeper and defender uh, uh, and so on in various tournaments uh, but you want to you want to chase goals and assist as much as much as possible really it's like what i do generally i did a tournament kind of explanation and strategy video on youtube as well so i'm plugging my youtube a lot here but go and look at that but um I suppose what I tend tend to do is first off I look who's gonna win, who do I think I'll win. I pick the winners and then I say right who's gonna keep the clean sheet, and then what I'll do is whoever I really really bank to keep the clean sheet, I'll double down and go goalkeeper defender there, and then just go midfielder and attack and flare where I think there's gonna be goals on the rest of them and keep the fingers crossed. But something that in terms of tournament strategy, I generally try not to have too many players from opposing teams in the same lineup. I try to just go balls to the wall and pick the winning fixtures and the players that are going to score in those winning fixtures. Now, obviously, if there's a three each, it can be quite profitable to have the attacker on both teams, but I generally like to kind of bank on which team's going to win because then if it does happen, you're likely to place quite high. Yeah, that's what... Then I'm quite new to the footstock tournaments. I mean, I've been doing them for like six months now, but obviously I've been doing them a lot more now um, and taking a lot more sort of time and care in it now that I, I stuck like whatever two grand into a pack opening and some other money so i've got a bigger sort of collection now to enter a lot of tournaments you know so you're competitive now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah not, not yeah, quite I... competing with you in the, the collection front but we'll get there 
No, um, yeah, that's true. I mean, at the end of the day, you, well, but at least what I do is, you know, I select teams that I think that will win and then pick players from them. I hardly put players from uh, opposing team into the same into the same lineup. So I hardly edge, you know, I kind of go balls deep into certain teams uh, that I think that will win. If it works, you know, you kind of plays very well, you know, you kind of clean up because I enter uh, multiple lineups. If it doesn't, you and you know you end up empty-handed, and you know you try again next week. So uh, pick the teams you you think they win. Pick the players from those teams. Uh, spread them across. Uh, um, you know, a few lineups if that's what you choose to do, or you know, just select the best players, enter your lineup, and think and hope that you know what team and the, the teams you backed. You know, they end up uh, they end up doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. There's a crash course in tournament strategy, Danilo. I think we'll wrap it up there. Is there anything you wanted to talk about before we go, or is there anything I don't know? Where, where can people find you if you'd like to be found? That is. Uh, well, on Twitter, uh, on Twitter, you know, I am the only Danilo, you know, around uh, um, around the football index world. So Danilo FI Trader, and um, yes, nothing more to add, nothing more to add uh, to talk about. You know, thank you very much for uh, for having me. It was a good chat. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. You've been you've been a you're a big trader on both platforms, and I've I've seen you around for a long time, so it's good to have finally got chatting there, but. And I think it actually lined you up before Footstock really kicked off, do you know? So it worked out nicely timing-wise. But yeah, look, thank you very much for your time, and I suppose I'll chat to you again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. Cheers.